What's up, everyone? It's Kirby Porter, and welcome to another episode of Court to Corporate. We're sitting down with athletes, discussing their personal playbooks, and diving deeper into how it's translated to success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. Hey, so today in the guest chair, we have Matt Hillman, investor, startup advisor, and co-founder of Cut and Sew. Before he founded a marketing agency that works with the likes of the NBA Players Association, MLB, Ford, East Bay, High Snobiety, and the Timberwolves, just to name a few, he laid the groundwork for what would become his expertise in sports, tech, and entertainment while on the basketball team at Carnegie Mellon in undergrad. So, after moving to LA just 10 days after graduation, Matt spent his first months at CAA in a small boutique marketing firm. In just 10 months into his new chapter, he co-founded Cut and Sew. Today, Matt will share more about the combination of his passions and skill sets that allowed him to set foot upon his entrepreneurial journey a little bit earlier than expected. We'll discuss tips for recent graduates on how to work your perspective to your advantage while early on in your career. And lastly, he'll share advice for all of us on how to stop thinking and just do. Matt Hillman. Um, I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. I uh, went to Sidwell Friends, um, played basketball there. Uh, was was excited to come on this podcast because I, th- I think, you know, I, I probably share a similar story to a lot of other people that you're going to have on. And at, mm-hmm. at one point, I really saw like basketball or, or sport as um as you know what i was going to do for the rest of my life i was like young teenager i guess you could say i was a little bit naive um but i was you know i i grew up playing really really intensely and 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 never really thought about much else besides that like weekends were you know consumed with early morning workouts and uh traveling for aau and that was just it was that was just it um and uh had a had a pretty good career in high school ended up getting recruited to play division three at uh, carnegie mellon and uh I, I now look back when I was at the time I, I had had D one aspirations. So I looked at it as like a bit of a downgrade, but looking back, I, I mean, I used it to get into a school I couldn't have gotten into otherwise. So for me, that's, that's a win now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, Always. but no, I had, had a good experience there. Um, was a business history and Spanish major. Um, around that time, like basketball started to, um, just, I guess, like not go as, as well as I had planned. I had started to develop other interests and, um, it just, it started to fall a little bit further down my priority list as I started to plan for life after. Um, so I was, I was honestly grateful for kind of that because it made me really start to think. And I know a lot of people who, you know, basketball goes really, really well for a really long time. And then it all of a sudden it stops and it feels like the rug is pulled out from under them. Um, and they, they're not able to make that transition. So I was blessed to like be able to make the transition pretty well. And, um, I had started exploring like other passions like well before my days were over. So I, I kind of had something to throw myself into after. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I went, went to CMU and then graduated in May of 2017 and then moved out to LA right after. And, uh, and here I am. Here you are. What were just, just backtracking, I guess, during undergrad, what were some of those interests or passions that started to come to top of mind and do you think those were competing with with your basketball career or was it really just more so you're coming into this realization of, okay, 
career isn't going as planned. Here's how I can apply myself through another lens. How, how yeah. did it come to life for you? That's a good question. I think it's always a balance, right? Because like, especially we're seeing it a lot in the NBA with, with, with guys. I mean, now we're, we're at a day and age where guys are able to like be, be many things, but, um, people still question, you know, if, if, if you're focusing on something that isn't your, your main thing or your day job, people are, people will always kind of question your dedication and stuff. So I was always like really careful to be pursuing other things, but not, not, you know, make it appear as if like I was putting basketball on the back burner or anything like that. Um, cause that's, that's obviously you'll get into even, even kind of worse of a situation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but no, I was, I was always, I was always just really trying to explore, um, a couple of those interests. I went, I went, like I said, I went to Carnegie Mellon, which is like a really heavy, uh, tech heavy school, mm-hmm. uh, pretty, pretty nerdy, uh, pretty entrepreneurial. So I became really interested in, in tech, not, uh, not, I wasn't like a CS major or anything, but a bunch of my friends were in, um, I built an app while I was there that like went through a startup accelerator and everything. So that that definitely took like you know trying to run a company while also like playing college basketball that that took like a ton of time mm-hmm. um and i think it probably contributed to uh a lack of focus a little bit in basketball um but by that time like to me like it was kind of i was i was at peace with like my trajectory as a player <laughs> and like i had, i had no aspirations of, of like playing professionally um but i think you know while while basketball while it was it was always my main thing. I, I did a, I think I did a really good job of, of staying focused and trying to keep it that. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, it was just adapting really and being rational and be like, wow, I'm a sophomore in college. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not excelling super well. Um, clearly, but like life after, like clearly I'm not going to be playing professionally after college. So I really have to start thinking about the next steps. Um, and so, yeah, like tech became one. Um, I, I became really interested in like music and entertainment as well. I ended up getting, an internship one year in New York at Sony Music, which um, was like one of the top record labels, which was like an amazing crash course into that industry, and mm-hmm. um, I interned at, at CAA as well. Um, so I just all these things that I became really interested in. I, I felt like after after basketball had started to quiet down, I got a little bit of a second wind and had like free time to actually go out and, and try and make these things happen. Yeah, of course. So I listen to how I built this a lot, <laughs> like a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, are, are you a fan? Yeah, I love that track. Yeah. I, I love it. Like I literally listen to it every single morning. Um, yeah. But the episode with Whitney Wolf, the founder of Bumble, her journey yeah. is honestly just so captivating and, and inspiring. And I really do encourage everyone to go listen. But at the end, Guy Raz asked her if she's worried about someone copying Bumble. And she shared this quote, which I want to share uh, very quickly. So anyone can copy a product, but you cannot just copy someone's brand and become them. There has to be authenticity when you build a brand and there has to be true purpose. And I I wrote down this message personally um, because entrepreneur or not, I think that's something everyone should take note of when they work towards building their personal brand or growing within their company um, or their side hustle, whatever it may be. Authenticity is key and acknowledging your journey is key. And then as I was writing my notes for this interview, this quote came to top of mind because hearing your sound bites on how you're a student of culture per se and your passion for marketing you starting cut and sew seems like a very natural step that fits within your story. I would love for you to share your personal story and passion that led you to start your own business and bring cut and sew to life. Cool. 
that's a really awesome quote. I, I haven't heard, I haven't listened to Whitney's episode, but I'm yeah. probably going to after this now. No, you um, have to. I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's every, every space is crowded now, especially tech. Like if you look at like Bumble is Bumble and Tinder, aside from like the female centric, like side of it are, are very similar products, but the brand that Bumble's built, the like integrity that she's built around it, like that level of like just the elevated kind of nature of it is like that's that's like what's truly makes them indefensible um and like the feeling that people get when when they interact with their product when you go on tinder it's like i don't know it's kind of like a weird like dirty feeling (laughs) um bumble's like a really it's a nice experience i I just couldn't agree more with that and i think um i i feel a very similar way about what we're building um even more so probably because at the end of the day like yes like whitney's a personal brand but she's building a tech product so like that tech product needs to have a brand whereas like I'm building a service business. So, um, I am the brand like, I, like myself yeah. and my partners are, are selling ourselves because we're the ones that you're interacting with every day. If you decide to engage with us, not like an app, you know? Right. So I, I couldn't agree more with what she's saying. And it's something that we are, are always thinking about. And, um, you know, that's, that's the best, the best way to kind of, um, develop like a really strong pipeline of, of businesses is by building a strong personal brand for yourself and being able to tell your story, you know, in the places that matter. Um, so I know I'm not even answering your original question, but, uh, <laughs> you're good, you're good. but, um, what, what led it, what led me to like, take that belief and, and kind of start cutting. So was, um, I've, I've always kind of been entrepreneurial. Like I said, I, I built an app while I was in college. That was kind of my first taste of it. Um, messed around and did like a little, like a built like a little content series also in college that I did like some small documentaries on people and racked up like a good amount of views on YouTube. So I just, I've always been really interested with like, you know, just the, the democratization of like the internet and like people like you and I, young people who are smart and driven and, you know, have an understanding of culture, being able to kind of just create something from the ground up. Um, and I think, you know, for me, uh, an agency model or like a marketing business was like a really natural evolution is like a really strong uh, path into entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. you know it's 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 consulting it's it's something that a lot of people can do aside from like having a knowledge of your industry there's not like a necessarily a specific skill set or something that you need to build um it's really just you being able to offer your services and your and your expertise um so it's like a really natural path into entrepreneurship and um for me i'm someone who really really likes to touch a lot of different things i like to have my hands in a bunch of different um like pods and and a lot of different industries are, are interesting to me and um, we talked earlier about like LA and how there's a lot of industries converging on LA. I mean, you have sports is huge here. Like tech is huge here. Venture capital is really big. Esports, cannabis, like there's just so many industries. Um, and I think as a consultant, um, you're able to, to like, if you have that skill, which is marketing, it's pretty industry agnostic. So you're able mm-hmm. to take that across, across a bunch of different verticals. And that's what really, you know, inspired me to, to build this agency. And, um, you know, I get to, I get to work with, with founders and, um, you know, people every day and help them kind of build their companies or if they already have pretty big companies, help them, you know, uh, talk to, talk to millennials and stuff like that. Absolutely. And we'll obviously talk more about what you specifically do with your agency, but let's back up. So originally from DC, graduated from Carnegie Mellon. When you first graduated and moved to LA, what was, what was in plan for you at the time? So I, uh, while I was backtracking even further before that, going back to basketball, I decided to quit my senior year. So I only played three years. Um, yeah, which I should have mentioned. I don't know why I didn't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
and the reason I did that was because I knew like, you know, senior year, right before you graduate, it's like when you really lay the groundwork for what you're going to be doing after in terms of like applying for jobs or grad school or whatever it is that you do. And I just knew that playing basketball and like traveling for, you know, three or four months would, would really hinder that. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to play. Um, and I, and I took most of my senior year to focus on, you know, what am I going to do after? And so I, uh, I applied to, um, an internship at CAA and I applied to NYU for my master's in music business. And I, my plan, I didn't expect to get both and I ended up getting both. So then my plan was like, let me, I'm going to do my internship at CAA in LA and then I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go to New York for, to get my master's at NYU and, you know, CAA is going to go really well and I'm just going to continue working at CAA in New York while I get my master's. Um, I ended up, once I moved out here, I really, really fell in love with LA and everything it has to offer. And, uh, and then I decided I, I, music was, it didn't make sense for me to get a master's degree in like one industry. Like it's just a music business master's didn't really seem that practical to me anymore because of how many other things there are out there. So I ended up declining NYU um, and staying staying in LA. But I also didn't really have. I love CA, but I didn't really have a great experience there. It was very uh, kind of old world and a little hierarchical, and you know, work your way up, mailroom to assistant to agent, and it was just like a very linear path. So mm-hmm. I was grateful for everything that I learned there, but I decided CA wasn't the best option for me either. Um, ended up staying in LA and found another job at like a boutique marketing agency. Um, but what originally got me out here was was CAA and. I think it's like one of the most powerful companies in, in entertainment and certainly in LA and um, the people that I was able to meet and the things I was able to learn um, really set me, set me up for, for going forward from there. Absolutely. And I think there's something to say there about understanding what's transferable and it's, it's great that you, you had that awareness and at least in terms for you specifically of what your long-term vision could be or, you know, what skill sets you had and how that could expand across industries. So it's interesting to hear how you made that decision. Um, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you experienced both ends of the spectrum, I would guess, in working at CAA and then the boutique marketing firm, I just, in in terms of the scale of the company. Yeah. Was the culture different um, once you moved from CAA to the boutique firm? Uh, Because you mentioned that CAA was a bit hierarchical and very... XYZ to, to get to this path. Um, how was, how was that experience for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. It was entirely different. So yeah. CAA is, um, obviously so, so, so good at what they do. Um, there's a 3000 person company, you know, suits every day. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they're really about that, like kind of paying your dues life. Yeah. Um, which look, if you want to be an agent and you know, that's the, the thing that you want to do and you're willing to like kind of put in the time and work your way up on that, on that desk, like do it. I think I think CA to me is kind of like the like the investment banking of of entertainment. It's like that. It's like pretty structured. Um, you know, it's a grind, but if you if you if you you know stick it out, then you can do really well for yourself. Um, and then the company I went to after is called Gin and Tonic. Totally different environment. Like sub ten people. Um, obviously, super casual. Wherever you want. We were in like a WeWork for a while. Um, and that's, that's what, that's what I really liked, honestly. Um, I mean, I'm sure you can relate coming from, um, like, a, you know, playing team sports your whole life and like, you're never, you're never truly going to be able to replicate that feeling that you get from like playing on a, on a collegiate team with other people. But, um, I've, I've made it my mission to try and 
get as close to I, as I can to that in the workforce. Um, cause I, I mean, you just really, you don't, you don't get anything like that. Um, and working for a small company is, is the closest thing I've, I've found and, you know, really trying to build something with other people and kind of being in the trenches with them. And, um, there's just something to be said for knowing that if, 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 you know, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you know, it's literally just not going to get done. I think sometimes <laughs> at, at bigger, at bigger places, there's like, you know, I'm not felt it at CA. It's like, if you don't do something, there's 2,500 other people to do it, you know? Right. Um, so, so that was, that was like the one really big thing I noticed. And, um, obviously I'm, I'm, you know, in the thick of it now with, with my partners and, and what we're building. But, uh, yeah, I would, I would say, I, I think that, uh, at least once, like every young person should experiment with a, with a really small company. Um, just cause like I said, you, you just are thrown into situations that you wouldn't be otherwise. And you just have to learn how to do things on the fly that you wouldn't otherwise. And, um, it just, it accelerates your learning curve so, so quickly. Um, and you know, you don't always have the brand name of like a really strong company, but I think if you're playing the long game, then like the skills that you'll develop from from being thrown into situations from a, a young age will, you know, eventually help you leap ahead of some some people. Yeah, and I that's interesting because you've mentioned before the difference, I guess, in terms of the culture within the marketing and entertainment industry versus a finance or versus a real estate that really allows you to have real impact early on in your career, which it sounds like you really experienced at Gen Tonic and is, is what you're doing now with, with your own firm. But can you speak more on that um, from your personal experience or observations of peers in other industries? Why, why do you think that dynamic exists? Yeah, for sure. I think, I think in other industries, the emphasis on like experience is really, really heavy. Like, like I said, finance or real estate or anything like that. It's like, if you're not, you haven't been in it for a really long time, like you're just not going to be as good as someone who's been doing it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with marketing and like the entertainment industry in general, the emphasis is really like what separates the people who are good from people who are great are the ones that are able to um, identify and predict trends and like act on them. And, you know, if they're consulting with someone, then advising that person to act on them. Mm-hmm. And I think there's really no like minimum amount of experience you need to like have that skill set. Um, in fact, some could even make the argument that you know, the closer you are to the ground and the closer you are to like street level, the, the, the more, you know, the better ability you will have to like spot those trends. And I think, you know, with marketing agencies, um, there's just, they're always bringing in young people to help them like understand what's cool and help them say like, what are the kids doing and what platforms are they using? And, you know, what's the hottest meme this week? And, you know, like even stuff as stupid as like, you know, not even stupid, but stuff as funny as like, this old town road song like oh my gosh <laughs> uh, like we we heard that before every single like sea level executive in the world probably exactly and who knows maybe if, if, if you hear that you can help your client craft like a funny strategy or like a funny caption that like incorporates that that would like really resonate with our audience so we're just in a really unique position where um we are the people that these people are trying to market to and um we're able to authentically speak to that because we know how we would want to be marketed to ourselves and um it's just not you know i I just wouldn't trust someone older to speak authentically to this this generation and especially gen z even i'm I'm getting i'm getting old compared to those kids and (laughs) that's the new wave those are the ones who are going to have all the purchasing power so i think there's just a constant emphasis on like how do you stay young how do you keep young people around you how do you just you know stay up to the trends and um that's just like a wave that we're you know riding right now yeah can you Give us the high-level timeline or progression from your first day at CAA to starting Cut and Sew. Um, how, how long was it before you began your own venture? 
Cool. Um, I started at CAA 10 days after I graduated college. So I started like, yeah, I moved out to LA like a week after. That's crazy. Um, Yeah, it was super. (laughs) It happened so fast. Yeah. Um, So I started CAA May of 2017. Um, I was there May through August. Um, And then August 1, I started at uh, my new company, Gin and Tonic, where... um, where I was like right under the CEO. So I was able to really learn how to like kind of operate a business and go out and pitch clients and all of that. Um, and then I started cut and sew with my two partners, um, January 31st. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty like quick kind of intervals up until then. Um, and yeah, so I started January 31st and now it's like April. So it's been close to a year and a half. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Like I can't, you know, I wake up every day and I'm like, how are we going to, you know, grow this thing? And it's a challenge, but I'm grateful for that challenge. I love that. I think you will have some really valuable perspective here on how to just start and how to stop thinking and just do, because I know so many of us, and especially me, suffer from analysis paralysis and sometimes feeling like you have to have all your ducks in a row to cross the road. And so can you just give us any struggles that maybe you have personally experienced or now that you're on the other side of it, any advice that you may have on how to just start? Yeah. I mean, I I still struggle with it myself. Like the business is going well and I was able to like just start that. But there's a lot of things that I've wanted to do that like I haven't for a really long time. Like I've wanted to start a podcast. So I have like so much respect for you just kind of like jumping in and doing it. Um, and I wish I, I wish I had a, a better answer other than like kind of what you said is really just, just start. Like, I, I just think if, you know, if it, we're just in such a crowded space where like, if you don't do something like you could wake up the next day and someone else could have launched like the exact same thing as you. So I just feel like if you don't have that sense of urgency, um, like, I just think about like the regret that you might have, you know, later in life if, if, you know, you see something that you were really close to pursuing popping off or something like that. I just, if you're a competitor and especially if you're like a, a former college athlete, like, you know how it feels to like lose. Um, and so I would say like, you know, if you, if you can't, if you, if you don't put yourself out there and try and do something, it's just, you're never gonna, you're just going to kind of always be on the sidelines. And mm-hmm. I heard a quote, it was like, a quote was like a ship that's in the harbor is, you know, safe and will never get damaged. But like, that's not what ships were meant to do or something like that. Um, so there's just, there's just no, there's just no, the only thing that you get from not doing is just like that comfort of saying that you didn't fail, but that comfort from saying you didn't fail is so much less than like you succeeding. Exactly. And that also reminds, speaking of quotes, um, I'm, I'm on Twitter a lot. <laughs> I saw this one the other day that was like, we either deal with the pain of discipline or like the pain of regret. It was like something along those lines. Um, yeah. And it's not to put like this very like serious tone in it. It's just more so you, you pick and choose. And I think there's a lot to say for just putting it out there. You know, like just, yeah, we just have, we just have no excuse. I mean, yeah. with the way the internet is, and like we all have we all have access, like we all have a voice. Like, there's just literally no excuse yeah. to not do it. And if you don't do it, some someone else is going to do it. Um, and if someone else does it, you're going to be upset that it wasn't you. And <laughs> um, yeah, I just think like I think what stops a lot of people is just like the what other people will think. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to put out this podcast, and the first one's going to get five views, and then I'm going to look stupid, and people are going to judge me, and 
Um, I struggled with that for a while myself, but like, I just think once you realize, not even like that you don't care what other people think, but once you realize that other people don't really care, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like, no, like that, that's, that's pretty liberating. Um, everyone's just doing their own thing. Everyone's hustling. Everyone's grinding. Like no one has time to like hate on you for putting out a podcast with five views. And if they do, then, you know, they're one of the people that's going to be sitting on the sideline. So exactly that that perspective is just so key you know like we have to take ourselves a little bit less seriously sometimes and that just allows you to do what you do best yeah for Um, sure so give us the full picture of cut and sew who do you guys work with and what problems do you solve cool so cut and sew is is a lot of things um but I would say at our core, we're, we're a boutique marketing agency, um, full service. So we can do social and digital. We can do experiential influencers, content production, content distribution, events, um, pretty much anything on the marketing side or the branding side of your business we, we can handle. Um, and we have a, a bunch of like bigger clients that we've done campaigns with, um, such as like the MBPA. Um, we've done stuff with the MLB, uh, Ford. Um, and that's awesome. We, we love, love working with, with clients like that. We also have, um, a bunch of like smaller companies, like startups that we either have invested our own money into or invested time into as like advisors and are helping really grow those. Um, so we're really developing this like interesting kind of like bookend style where like we have on one cent on one side, we have like some really awesome clients who were, are like the scopes are a little bit more traditional kind of marketing. And then on the other side, we have some really cool up and coming companies that we're actually kind of working with founders directly and helping them, you know, build and scale. That's awesome. So I guess you're working across, first of all, you're working across industries with tech and personal branding, I imagine sports, esports, yeah. and yeah. then different scales of companies. Um, yeah. We guess, have some athletes we, we manage to actually. Yeah. 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 How, what's the nature of those conversations? Like, do you see, a common thread across those in terms of the problems that you're asked to solve or is it really just dispersed across the different types of clients? Um, I think the problems or the scopes tend to <clears throat> tend to, you know, vary, but I think the thesis that we take and the approach that we take is, is what stays the same throughout. I mean, we're constantly looking for like white space and like ways to cut through the noise and, um, you know, get cheap attention, um, you know, platforms that are being underutilized you know, trends that haven't been kind of picked up on, um, you know, we're, we're really, really big on, on helping brands kind of, uh, you know, transition into emerging industries that they might, might not have yet. Like esports, for example, mm-hmm. um, like for example, with the MVPA, um, they had a, an end of the season, um, initiative last year called the player's voice awards where all the players voted on like best dress, hardest yeah. to guard, best sneakers, all that stuff. Um, and we led like the kind of like the digital social rollout for that. And, um, brought in like a bunch of influencers and managed like the paid media budget and kind of helped amplify that initiative. That was really cool. Um, the MLB last year during all-star weekend, uh, in DC, uh, we threw an event for them for their, um, diversity and inclusion department, um, helping them attract a younger fan base. Um, and we threw like a summit where we brought in panelists and, um, speakers and curated like top, uh, t- uh conversations on like emerging industries. So, you know, both of those on the surface are like really different scopes, but the underlying, core is like you know how do we help them speak to a younger demographic how do we help them be cool how do we help them like appropriately understand you know culture and like you know not appropriate it but like be be there for it Mm -hmm. um and stuff like that yeah and 
brands want your point of view because you bring you and your team bring fresh fresh perspective and you guys are who they're trying to speak to or or less or more so you're on the ground and understand who they're trying to speak to even more um but you mentioned some big companies there uh mbpa mlb what's it like for you and your team being at the table um obviously you know that's the position you wanted to be in and put yourself in but how do you guys own that moment are there any barriers with that for you um and i don't think so i think i think you know the comp like the confidence to walk in there um, comes from like the preparation and you know the understanding of what you're pitching and the understanding of like the topic and the understanding of like the client themselves and you know I'm, I feel like I've uh, I feel like I have a, a better understanding of like basketball culture and like the basketball world than probably anybody else that they could hire in that in that situation um, between like our direct work with players like we've worked with tons of players um, our direct work with like agents and agencies um, so in that situation I was just like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like very realistic. And if, if I'm not the best person to, you know, be pitching something, I'll, I, I totally like understand and I fall back and I have no ego about those things. But when, when I am the right person, that's when I really am able to like rise to the occasion. So, um, that one was like, was a dream for me. It's like, I'm, I was able to impact basketball <laughs> way more than, you know, I would have, if I go, went to go have like a mediocre overseas career. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, Something that uh, stood out to me that you said earlier was how much you appreciated the team culture once you moved to the smaller boutique firm. Share more about the team that you have in place today. How, first of all, like how did it come to shape? Who are who are your partners, and how did you guys know that you wanted to build something together? Like, how do you continue to foster that culture on a day to day? Yeah. Um, so I started with two other guys, um, Sean Marr and Devin Woodruff. Um, they're both a little bit older than I am. I'm actually the, the younger one of the group. They're both uh, 28. Um, we we all met. So Sean and Devin grew up together back on Long Island. Uh, we're all East Coasters. A lot of a lot of my friends out here are from the East Coast. <laughs> um, but they grew up together on Long Island. Um, they had worked together uh, probably four or five years ago at an early stage startup called Yik Yak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember Yik Yak. It was like the anonymous Twitter that was yes. on like all the college campuses. Yes, yes, um, yes blew up raised like 70 million they were there kind of for that whole rise and really were able to scale a company from from you know nothing to something um and so they've kind of post yik yak have been really kind of sought after like growth marketers um in the in the mobile app and the tech space and then obviously i have a little bit of tech experience myself with the app that i built in college but my expertise is really in in um the sports and entertainment world and the influencer world and um, business development and partnerships and stuff like that um, so when I met, I met Sean first, um, we were collaborating on a, on a project together with, with his old company. Um, and, uh, we just became really, really good friends first before anything. And, um, shortly after that, he was like, yo, you got to meet my boy, Devin. The three of us became really close. And then we ended up starting the company within like three, three months of, uh, of meeting each other. Wow. So we, we, yeah, we knew that it was something we wanted to do. We knew that an agency model was you know, what we wanted to, to start with just because of, you know, the access to all the different companies and the ability to work on a bunch of different projects. Um, and we just kind of set our sights on that and started, started building this brand. And, you know, we're fortunate enough to get a client or two, um, up front that made the transition, you know, pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Um, it made it a little bit less risky and, uh, we've just been kind of building it, building it from there. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a grind, but it's been, it's been amazing. And, you know, those are, you know, when you're in the trenches with people every day, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a battle, 
but uh you learn a lot about yourself you learn about a lot about your partners and you learn a lot about you know what it takes to build something and the the lesser shown sides of entrepreneurship and you know the struggles and uh it's uh but you know you got to be you got to be grateful for it all and um i think you know we have a really strong group and i uh i wouldn't wouldn't want to go through it with anybody else and i think you know something that is just coming to top of mind for me is that when you're in the grind with people that you trust it's just so much easier to build and grow and expand when you're all on the same page and I guess for you, like obviously it's it's only been a little bit over a year uh, since you guys started, but how do you see your agency expanding or, you know, what's, what's the vision for a cut and sew? Yeah, I think the vision um, is we want to have, we want to, we're doing a, a, a lot of things right now. And I think the vision is to like clearly separate them into, into more like kind of departments mm-hmm. and build out each one of those departments with like cut and sew kind of being the holding company that sits at the top. So like, for example, on the agency side, um, I think we would love to continue working with, you know, household brands, household names, um, and helping them kind of speak to a younger demographic and would love for that to be like kind of a thriving, um, you know, highly, highly profitable, you know, vertical of itself. I think we can build out a really strong like talent management vertical as well. We have a couple guys right now that we're managing, um, and we're really like selective about it, but, um, we're building kind of like a strong group there. Um, I think I want to really build out our, our investment and our venture capital side. Um, so we have three or four like early stage startups that we've, you know, put money into. And, um, I think that's like, you know, how you really truly build wealth is not like trading your time for, for a check, but, um, you know, investing in things that at scale and that can make you money while you sleep. Um, and then I think the last, the last vertical is, is what I want to call like brand studio. Um, and I think that, like I said, the agency model is amazing and we love working with companies and like that's never going to go away. But I think the, the way to truly like build something scalable and build true wealth is to like build a product and like own that product yourself and have a piece of that. And so I want to also build this, this, this side of the company where we're like launching products in-house and we're taking ownership in them and we're using all of those skills that we developed um, for marketing for other people and we're putting them into things that, that we own and running them through like our, our ecosystem. That's, I feel like everything that you just mentioned, like you guys have laid the foundation for it, right? Um, I think you're just thinking more like even long-term, like how, how does that return to equity and, you know, how does it even extend itself even further? So that's, I, I completely see that. So you, you mentioned the sides of entrepreneurship that aren't seen. I would love to close out with you know, advice that you may have for entrepreneurs as you now even advise yourself. Um, but was, was entrepreneurship always your end goal? Like when, like going back to when you started your first business, when you were at Carnegie Mellon, was that something that you're like, okay, like this is what I see myself doing long-term or was it more so when you moved to LA, met people that had the same vision as you, then those ideas started flowing? Yeah, I think, it's always been something that I've, that I've wanted to do, but I, it's, it's not aside from like when I, when I did it in college, um, it wasn't something that I expected to really happen this early. Um, it kind of just, it kind of just happened. Um, and I would say that's like the best, the best advice that I can give is like, if you put yourself in certain situations and you're able to, um, you know, build like a strong personal brand around yourself and tell your story and, you're able to go out there and network and get in front of the right people, then like good things and things like this will happen. 
um, and you just don't just don't fight them. Like you just have to kind of accept them. And I, I heard one quote is like sometimes like you know blessings come before you're even like fully ready to accept them. So like that you end up not even like getting to like fulfill them. Um, and I would say that that's that's just the biggest thing is just kind of like being ready and um, sort of like manufacturing the situation where you know fortunate things like this happen to you. Um, and then just kind of being ready to, to, you know, take it and, and run. Um, I, I never really wanted to have a boss. So I think that that's <laughs> kind of like, that's kind of, you know, one of the things, like, I just, I really like operating independently and, um, and, you know, I have really understanding partners and we have like a very, like, you know, wh- wherever we are, the three of us are in the world. Um, and we just, we just hired two. So wherever the four of us are in the world, like we know shit's getting done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that's like really great. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that if I had to close out with one last piece of advice, it would just be, um, it would be don't, I think entrepreneurship is like very sexy right now. And I would say, don't do it for that reason. Um, if you're going to do it, you got to really, you got to really love it. You got to really be ready to like buckle down and, and kind of take whatever comes to you on the chin and like, you know, stick at it in the same way that, you know, you would really any, anything else. Um, yeah, I would, I would just say, if you're going to do it, do it. Um, and just, just start, you never know what can happen if you just start worst case, like, you know, everyone that you're going to be speaking to, um, was probably a college athlete, went to a good, um, school. And if you just think about it that way, like our floor is, is very high. It's like, there's always going to be people who are looking to employ athletes. Um, so, you know, if you look at the downside versus the upside, it's really small. So just do it. (laughs) into another episode as always please let us know in the review section your thoughts and any topics you'd like to hear discussed we'd love for you to join us on instagram and linkedin to stay in the know and keep up to date with our community the information for both of those handles will be in the episode description thanks again hope you enjoyed and we'll be back for another one soon